Born in 1592 in the Highlands of Scotland, and he is still alive. He is immortal. Constantly facing other immortals in combat to the death, the winner takes his enemy's head. And with it, his power. We know the truth about immortals. In the end, there can be only one. May it be Duncan MacLeod, the Highlander. And welcome into Let's Watch Highlander. This is Let's Watch Highlander, the season six recap. And here to talk with you about it, as we are all the time, I am Travis, a.k.a. TV's Travis. And over there, that's the Audie Norman. Audie, how are you? Doing all right, man. Getting ready for summertime over here. Oh, yeah. Yep. It's uh, it's that mid-May, starting to feel like summer here. Um, mm-hmm. It's weird, though, to think like, wow, it's almost June. And yeah, well, especially when you have kids in school and they're literally <laughs> counting down the days. Yeah, that's true. You can't really escape it. Well, I got reminded because last year, so our local pop culture con, Comic Con, uh, is on Memorial Day weekend every year. Uh-huh. And last year, I went out and I volunteered to help set up and porter uh, the vendors and and uh, artists and everybody in and get them mm-hmm. uh, set up and ready to go. And I took. Um, uh, Michael, my, uh, my ex's son. Um, and we, and he went with me and we had a good time and I didn't realize how close we were to Memorial day weekend until he sent me a text earlier today. He's like, Hey, are we going to go do the volunteer thing at C4 again this year? And part of me was like, no, first off, I was like, that's awesome that he wants to do it again. And yeah. then I was like, Holy crap. I looked and it's a week from Friday. Take him. I was like, okay, well, uh, let me see if I can get the day off, and yeah, we'll do that. So it sounds like we're <laughs> going to be out there all day on that Friday. So I'm hoping it's weather like it is today for that, mm-hmm. because it's a lot of hauling heavy boxes full of comic books and yeah, you know, action figures, and there's the there's the vendor that brings swords and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's a fun time though. It's a, it's a good time to go check all that out and just kind of get to see our small little comic con before everyone shows up and the floor gets super busy. Sure. Hmm. Well, hey, so we have come to the end of season six. Uh, yeah, thir- we have. 13 episodes, and uh, boy, it was uh, it was a little something. Mm-hmm. I remembered less of this season than I thought. Oh, yeah. Um, I think this is the season I have seen the least of, for sure. Uh, and I'm sort of, as we were wa- getting through it, I kind of was reminded why I watch very little of this <laughs> season. So we'll be getting into that. Uh, don't worry. Right. But, um, was it kind of the same for you? You just sort of, you didn't remember as much of the season as, as yeah, you Yeah, I didn't thought? remember, didn't remember much of it. Did, the one thing I do remember is this is a season where Duncan's hair is cut. Yeah. Like that's the one thing I remember more than anything. So. Yep. He lost the ponytail and I can, uh, I do remember some people being very upset about that. um that uh that him losing the ponytail was uh just the the worst thing ever and obviously we lost you know the character of richie um right and that was a huge i think emotional blow to the series Mm -hmm. and in watching it you kind of got the feeling like they hadn't really planned on doing this season yeah um and from what I have been able to read in the back, the background is that they weren't. They were planning on ending it with five, and then they were like, well, let's go ahead and do a season six. And then the budget got cut, and they only did half the number of episodes. And it, it wasn't a very well produced season in terms of like preparation, I don't feel. Not yeah. compared, especially coming off the heels of four and five that were, I feel like, really well done syndicated sure. television so yeah um agree but there were some there were some high points there were some low points um things that uh, surprised us and that we liked and i think we should talk about those sure symbol turned up in the writings of an ancient german mystic to him it was a force of hate that could only be defeated by love fine for gandhi but, but what about us what else did he say nothing 
Seems he died before he could finish his memoirs. Well, that's great. So what do we do? Sit and contemplate our navels while the whole world goes to hell? Okay, so season six. Good stuff, bad stuff, favorites, least favorites. There was a for only being thirteen episodes, um, they covered a lot of ground with some of the things that they did, but I think that's because they were there was a lot of these potential backdoor pilots that sort of Right. So they covered a lot without covering a lot. Like there wasn't nearly there wasn't a lot of Duncan um yeah. throughout this season. And obviously no Richie, but also, you know, the the opening credits got changed because Stan Kirsch is no longer in the show. So it went from being Adrian Paul, Stan Kirsch, and uh, Jim Burns to adding in Peter Wingfield and a man, um, and uh, Elizabeth Grayson to the opening credits. And then they're not in the series until the last couple of episodes. Right. So it was a, it was an oddly done kind of, uh, kind of thing there. But um, there were some, uh, some good moments in this season. And what I'm curious about was what was some of the stuff that you liked about season six? Um, I liked how we started off with Duncan overcoming and defeating the Ariman demon character. Mm-hmm. And I like that we didn't do it in just one episode. I like that we took a couple episodes that yeah. it was really because of how intense it was at the end of season five, this wasn't just some simple, okay, first episode, let's go ahead and knock this guy out and then we'll move on to other stuff the rest of the season. They actually made it something that he had to struggle with. Um, So I appreciated that also just, and I'm probably going to be saying this a lot more Roger Daltrey. Just, just appreciate more of him because as we fawned over him so much, throughout this podcast of how much and how well he fits into this series somehow. Who would have thought that of all people that Roger Daltrey would come in and be one of the best characters as Hugh Fitzcarran and just have amazing chemistry with Adrian Paul that we just love seeing the two of them together. You like you wouldn't have been the name that I would have pulled out of a hat, but the thing about it is it's the chemistry with Adrian Paul and it's his desire to be there. Yeah. You know, he was uh he was willing apparently. Again, grain of salt, internet rumor, but he apparently he was willing to like shave his head and use an American accent just so he could get back onto the show as a different character after Jeez. the character after Hugh is killed off. Like he was like, I just want to be on the show some more. I want to do more. And the producers, you know, decided that they would bring him back on the writers, just do it all in flashbacks. And that's the beauty of yeah. Highlanders, you can do that. So Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there. Um, the the Duncan overcoming Ariman, there were, that was twofold. I liked that they did it over two episodes, and that it wasn't just an immediate like we didn't start off season six kind of back to the status quo, right? Because we had a right. major change at the end of five, and so it was nice to carry that through, and not just the first two. Like it takes him two episodes to figure out how to and then defeat Ariman. But then there's a couple more episodes after that where he's still not back to Duncan that we knew yet. Mm -hmm. He's still reluctant to fight. It takes him a little bit to get back there. And I appreciated that. I do think that the Highlander mythology could have benefited from playing in that supernatural realm a little more. Yes. Um, Because I think that when they did that in the series for the most part, it was kind of interesting and kind of fun. The dark mm-hmm. quickening was another one. They would sort of play with an idea and then forget about it. And that happens with syndicated shows that happens with, right. I mean, look at all the, the types of things that like star Trek, for instance, would dabble in an episode or two and then it never get mentioned again. Mm-hmm. And like, but that was cool. And I'm going to see more of that. And they're like, well, we got more stuff to write and it's fine. I, I don't have a problem with that. I would have just liked to have seen some more of that. But I think overall, like good stuff in this in this season was that opening arc for Duncan to come back to who he is. Because mm-hmm. you and I both have said throughout this series that we like confident, cocky Duncan. We like when he's playful, when he's having fun. And this season starts off that ain't the Duncan we got. Like he is right. He is down. He is morose. Obvious reasons. But we want to mm-hmm. get him back to because it's not the first time he's dealt with the death of somebody 
that he's close to. Right. And it's the first time we're like, it's not even the first time we're seeing it in the series. So we know he can come back from it and he kind of mm-hmm. has to just based on who he is. Um, so it was nice, but it was nice to see that done in a respectful way to the character of Richie. Yeah. And it takes some time. And then you're right. More Roger Daltrey. Just, just give us all the hue you can fit into the season because he's mm-hmm. just so much fun. Um, all right. So, so that's some good stuff that happened in this season. Um, what's some of the low points for you? What was some of the stuff that didn't work in this truncated season six? Oh, well, I mean, we've talked about it before. I think that the episodes where we get less of Duncan and less connection to just the Highlander series period just felt like it was off. Just, Mm -hmm. you know, there were several episodes where Duncan was just barely a bit player. And even one episode, I mean, two episodes, he wasn't in at all, but one specifically had no connection to this series at all. Right. It was just a random immortal and her boyfriend and what they were dealing with. I'm like, okay, that's, that's great and all, but why should I care about those people at all? Yeah. Especially when you like tee it up and almost come close to being like, oh, they can interact with Duncan. Maybe they say his name or something. We didn't get any of that. So, um, and, a, and when it comes to the, the other episodes where it was like, they were trying to see if this possible character would be good for a spinoff. Um, and we talked about it. Like, it seemed like every episode it got, less and less interesting it felt more and more like a copy of a copy of a copy and that that later copy was not as good as the first one yeah i mean a lot of the same uh for me the the episodes with the episode without duncan at all and no mention of him just feels wrong because it's one thing if the characters involved in that were some characters we had maybe seen before and run into and we Mm -hmm. could we could follow that like uh, it could have been Kenny. It could have been um, Cairdwin. It could have yeah. been... Uh, the, there were a number of characters from the from the series they could have brought back, centered an episode or two around without Duncan, or have him... You know, do, you could have done like a two-episode arc to test to do this backdoor pilot idea and have Duncan kind of show up at the beginning but then not mention him again, that kind of thing. Like there were ways to do what they were trying to do, and instead they just gave us an episode with characters we didn't know and we didn't care about, and mm-hmm. it's hard to get invested at that point. Yeah. Um, and there's there's nothing to say that you can't do an episode without a main cast member, but if you're going to do that, maybe give us Joe Dawson in there. Give mm-hmm. us a different character, something that at least ties it to the world we know. Or make sure it's a really good episode, because unfortunately that one was not. No, like, it wasn't. There was some stiff acting, some very uh, kind of almost slapstick, mm-hmm. uh, you know, things happening in that episode. It was just like, okay. Yeah, and, and it's also indicative of kind of what we mentioned in the opening, where this season wasn't originally planned, and so then they mm-hmm. spent over half of it trying to figure out what they could spin off from Highlander. Like they got right. they got a reduced budget and so they were like, okay, well, maybe we can make something else out of this. And the diminished returns were the big thing because like you said, you put it perfectly with the copy of a copy of a copy. They there weren't they they weren't diverse enough characters to warrant doing six episodes of that or however many we got. And so it's like, we saw this, and now this is the fourth version of that same thing we're seeing. Well, I don't care about that anymore. Like, I've already seen this three times. Why do I want to watch the same type of character again? Give me something different. And that's that's what they were missing. There was just no variety Mm -hmm. to it. So it just got boring after a while. And it's unfortunate, because again, we started off on a very strong emotional note, took our took some time to go through those emotions. And then we get this like, Oh, okay, here's an interesting character. Here's an interesting kind of side thing. And you know, something that Duncan can go through as he's getting back to himself. But then we did that three, four more times. And then suddenly Duncan's just not there. Mm-hmm. 
And then we get the the spinoff idea of like, well, what if Joe and Mythos can carry an episode? First of all, give us that a little earlier because yeah. we know the two of them get along well. And there's a lot to mine from that. But they waited so long, and by the time that came around, it's a good episode, but by the time it came around, we were bored to tears of this, you know, potential whatever, what what became the Raven. And also, none of those attempted backdoor pilots involved what ended up being the character that went to it, which is Amanda. Yeah. Like, um, Elizabeth Grayson becomes a main cast member in season six. She's in the opening credits of all 13 episodes. She appears in two of them. Mm-hmm. And she's barely in either of them. Like, she's focused yeah. a little more in 2B, but in not to be, she's hardly there, and she shows up at the end. Mm-hmm. And so it just feels like, what happened there? Why? Why? Like, yeah, you know, that if they were ultimately going to go that route, they should have focused more on her this season. That I would have been fine with. Yeah, that would have been nice. So... But again, like you said, they just didn't have this one planned out. They didn't, and that showed. And then some of those scripts weren't great. Um, you know, the the uh, the episode, De- it's a Deadly Exposure? No. Two of Hearts. Two of Hearts is the one without Duncan at all. Right. And that wasn't very well written either. Like, it's just mm-hmm. not, it's not a compelling story. Um and there's a reason why it's probably one of, if not the lowest rated episode in the series. Um, right. Because those episodes, they basically went, oh, Black Tower was another one that could have been an interesting episode, kind of a cool idea with the guy running a video game thing. But number one, it's the 90s, so nobody understood, and nobody making television understood what video games were. No, not at all. So, because people like to harp on something like Hackers um, as a movie where it's like, ah, it's not what, what, you know, that's really like. No, no, no. That movie gets a lot more right than it doesn't. The actual mm-hmm. interfaces of the computers, okay, sure. Some of the techno babble, yeah, whatever. But that's also Hollywood. But they got the concept and the core underlying parts of it right and sort of the culture of Hackers in the 90s yeah. a lot more right than they didn't. Black Tower was like they had heard about video games and their kids played some, but they never paid attention to them at all. And, I mean, it was just, it was bad. It was poorly written. It was poorly executed. And then you've got a character that, like, today, we're like, okay, that seems like someone on the spectrum. In the 90s, it felt like a bad joke that they were trying to tell. Yeah. Yeah, that too. There's a little insensitivity there Mm -hmm. that uh, that got better. But um, has has gotten better, but it wasn't good at that point. And you know that's that episode's coming off of like we tried two or three different uh, spinoff ideas, and then oh, we do this Black Tower, and it's just bad. And now we're gonna go mm-hmm. back to um, you know some other stuff. So it's it's just an inconsistent season, and yeah, we hadn't seen that for a few years. You know, after like after season two during which time I think is when David Abramovitz came on as sort of the executive story consultant and him and David Tynan did a lot of the writing and kind of leading the writer's rooms or the writing stable or whatever, however it was done. Like Mm -hmm. the series got better and this felt like we were back in season one, a little too much experimentation of just kind of throwing spaghetti against the wall to see what sticks. And unfortunately not a lot of it stuck. Nothing really. <laughs> now, did anything this season really surprise you? Because uh, we talked about how we sort of didn't remember as much about it. But uh, was there anything that was um, you just were like, "Wow, I forgot," you know, "I forgot that that happened," and or that's really cool, or anything like that? Well, I think other than the other than the fact that Duncan is so not in so much of it, like in you know the spinoff episodes and the one we talked about, he's not in at all. It's like seeing so little of Duncan. And then, honestly, the the finale, where it's like basically doing It's a Wonderful Life, that kind of took me by surprise. Okay. That's one of the few things I do remember about season six, um, is I remembered that it was no ponytail, no Richie, 
um, and the It's a Wonderful Life thing. But my memory of this season was a lot more Mythos and Joe. Mm-hmm. Um, like, huh. like the idea that the of the spinoff episode with them, with kind of no Duncan. Like there, like I, I vaguely remembered that episode, but I mm-hmm. thought there were a couple of more episodes of just like where they were largely involved or they were bantering, and there just wasn't. Like, yeah, Mythos is Mythos is in three episodes this season, but Peter Wingfield's in the opening credits. You know, Jim Flaherty. Burns is only in five episodes out of the thirteen. So we haven't talked about it much, but like, I wonder how much of that is also remembering the little reunion thing they did years later with just, uh, the two of them and, uh, Elizabeth Grayson. I think so. I think there's some of that there that I'm remembering because they were, there was talk of them doing a spinoff with Mythos and Joe and, uh, in the early two thousands and kind of Peter Wingfield being in on the idea and it just never materialized. They couldn't get the funding Mm -hmm. for it for whatever reason. And yeah, I think, I think you're right. I think some of that, uh, that revival thing that they did, um, probably is a lot of what I'm remembering, but that was the, the amount of episodes that felt disjointed from the greater sort of Highlander that we had been experiencing for five seasons is what surprised me. I mean, it's 13 episodes season and we have, you know, two episodes at the beginning kind of tying up uh, our season break. And then we jumped right into the potential spinoffs mm-hmm. with Sins of the Father. Sins of the Father was a pretty good episode. It had uh, Alex Raven, who was, I think we both kind of agree, was our favorite of the potential um, spinoff characters that they yeah. gave us. Um, maybe it's because she was the first one we saw. I'm not sure. But like we had that. But then all of a sudden it was like two, three episodes in a row where they were doing this, this same thing. And then we get Black Tower and we go in a different direction before they sort of righted the ship and gave us that flashback episode of Unusual Suspects with Hugh. Mm-hmm. And the whole thing where he's murdered at his, his uh, estate. <laughs> um, and then we go right back to these backdoor pilot potentials for three episodes it was just a weirdly up and down season and that surprised it surprised me how much we didn't involve duncan the way that he should have been involved in his series right you know it's sort of like doing macgyver without macgyver for half the season or Mm -hmm. he's relegated to a secondary player yeah in in his own show kind of thing uh is sort of what it felt like so yeah, that that surprised me. Um, we had special guests, you know the uh, obviously the the characters that they were trying to give us a spinoff of, um, but uh, you know then we had um, not as many as previous seasons though I don't think, and not as many memorable ones. There was no Ron Perlman, yeah, there's really. no Marion Cotillard, there's no uh, there's not even a lot of like musicians in this season. Hmm. So. It was just a weird, weirdly paced, weirdly done uh, season that does definitely feel like it was kind of patchwork together, sort of last minute. Like, oh, yeah. I guess we're going to do a season six. All right, let's start writing and banging out scripts. And they were like, yeah. they were taking scripts that weren't Highlander scripts and forcing them into the show. Yeah, probably. Um, so did you have a favorite uh, episode of the season, though? I was thinking about it. My favorite was Justice. And I think it's my favorite because it's the most, for me, it's the most interesting immortal story of the season. Because mm-hmm. you're dealing with somebody, um, this lady, this immortal Katya, who is dealing with the fact that she adopted a daughter. So mm-hmm. this is an immortal who adopted a child and experiences motherhood. And we see that through flashbacks to the point where she grows not only does her daughter grow up, she grows up with her to where it's like, okay, you're not my mother. You're my aunt. You're my sister or cousin or something. Mm-hmm. And I just think it was a really interesting because we've, we've seen Duncan and all the relationships he has and talking about, we can't have kids. And then you have a story where immortal found a way to have a kid and deal with it. Um, and unfortunately it was tragic in the fact that, her daughter was killed by 
her husband. Yeah. Um, who was um, jealous of because her daughter. The other interesting part: her daughter sees her immortal life as something to envy, and as somebody who is mortal, envying this ability to just do whatever. So her daughter does whatever, and there's consequences. Yeah. So, yeah, that that for me was I think my favorite episode. And it was fun to see them explore that because really throughout the run of the series, we'd only had a few instances of we'd have we'd have a couple times where immortals were adopted by somebody that Duncan knew and kind of taken under their wing and we young immortals um, mm-hmm. or something along those lines. But there weren't a lot of immortal parents, even adoptive right. parents. Um, we had very few, we had, you know, the, the scant few immortal couples even, uh, mm-hmm. but for the most part, they were all kind of loners and it, it, it does with the number of immortals that there would have to be in the world. Um, and the fact that they're kind of popping up all the time, like, you know, some of them are, are raising kids somewhere along the line right. and we only got bits and pieces of that. And that was one of the more in-depth ones. And mm-hmm. I'm with you. It's a very interesting idea. And it was something. It would be something kind of cool to to explore even more. Maybe have it be somebody that Duncan knows, and so he got to see them when you know the the child was very young and raising them. And now it's the reverse, where the child is older or looks yeah. older, that kind of thing. Like there were there were some mm-hmm. cool ways to go down that. That's a good choice. I like that. We, I mean, we got one more instance of that with. Um kind of sins of the father Mm -hmm. when you've got uh what was it alex raven yes working with the kid who is basically a son to her and then in present he's like you know could be your grandfather technically yes but um so that was interesting too they didn't touch on that as much they just kind of threw it right at you and it's like oh okay yeah that relationship wasn't as forefront as the one in Justice, the familial mm-hmm. part of it. That that episode was more about Alex and her vendetta, right? And helping helping this guy to you know get the money back for the people that the Nazis had taken it from in World War II, that kind of thing, right? But I think had they been able to explore that Alex character more, we could have mm-hmm. seen some of that and got and had stories sure. about that relationship and how it evolved over the years. Mm-hmm. So um that would be very very interesting. But yeah, that's a justice is a good choice. Um I think I I would have gone um with probably Sins of the Father, but for me my favorite episodes were the last two. To be and not to be. Um yeah. getting Fitz back, given I I love a good what if story. I'm always fascinated mm-hmm. by those because and when you have an established property and you you have followed characters for a while and then you kind of get that idea of like Let's let's just play around and see, you know, what would happen if Duncan had never met Richie, but Richie mm-hmm. still becomes an immortal, and what happens to him? Or Duncan isn't there to stop Mythos from rejoining the Four Horsemen because of whatever reason. Like that kind of stuff is cool to me. So I liked exploring that. I just wish it hadn't ended the series. <laughs> I wish we could have right. kept going afterwards and like had some of this fallout of Duncan having these visions, and now he's like maybe he's more. You know, he he realizes he is the beacon of hope and he's more resolved to like help people. And then let's explore that some more. So those were the it's cheating a little bit that it's two episodes, but it was the to be and not to be for me were my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. But it's my show. I'm allowed to cheat. (laughs) There you go. Uh, I, I have a guess what your least favorite would be. But what's your least favorite episode of the season? I'm not going to keep beating this dead horse too much, but uh, it's two of hearts. It's the episode that Duncan's not in at all, that nobody connected to Highlander is in at all. It's I mean, just not there, good. It's not a good no. episode. And There's no connection to Highlander, and then it's not good. Like, yeah. that's the problem. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's twofold, and I'm just like, okay, yeah. You can have one or the other, but you don't get to have both and get out unscathed. And it like it's mm-hmm. of no fault to anybody that was involved in making it. You know, they did their best. Um, but it yeah. was just not a well-conceived idea and uh, not well-executed. Um, and for the sake of not just choosing the same thing, um, because that is my least favorite of the, the season, uh, but Deadly Exposure, um, 
also not a very good episode. That was the last, the second to last of our uh, our potential spinoffs where we had the Bounty yeah. Hunter of Reagan, um, where she's on vacation in Paris and mm-hmm. the photographer gets a picture of some international terrorist that nobody's seen for, you know, 20 years. And suddenly this guy gets a picture of him from across a, a courtyard. And it was just, it was not a... They were trying to be, you know, spycraft, edgy, actiony type of thing, and it didn't work. Like, yeah, patient number it's seven funny. was a better version of that, and right. this one just just didn't work. And I didn't particularly like um, the character of Reagan either. Again, it's now the fifth version of this uh, potential yeah. Raven that we've seen. So it's and already it, worn thin, but I didn't. didn't it was it. funny. Both Deadly Exposure and Two of Hearts. I knew the actresses in this coming in, mm-hmm. and I was, you know, excited to watch these episodes. And then I watched the episodes, and I'm like they didn't do great. Good <laughs> Lord, this this stinks. So that was yeah, that was again, sad for both of those you know, episodes it's, too. It's a bummer because Sandra Hess is not a bad actress. At no, all. not at all. Um, and she just isn't given anything good to work with there. And uh, mm-hmm. the same for uh, Claudia Christian and uh, yeah. Stephen O'Shea in uh, in Two of Hearts. Like they're not bad; they're just not given anything good to work with here. And so, yeah, you know, everything just falls flat. And and again, it was it was just the we've seen it, we've seen it now five times. I'm done mm-hmm. with this idea. You know, it was clever the first time, but let's let's do something different. If you're going to spin it off, give us some variety of of choices. Yeah. Please. <laughs> so that's our uh, our favorites and least favorites. Um, and uh, I think we ought to give out some awards for this season. Yeah, let's do that. Doesn't matter what I say, does it? I've only been alive for 5,000 years. What would I know about it? I'm getting them out. Are you playing the hero here or are you being the martyr? Whatever it takes, whatever I have to do, I'm keeping them alive. All right, it's that time again. We're giving out awards for season six. Um, it's fewer episodes of this season, and we don't have as many awards to give out. Um, but we always like to start with our Kurgan Award for the best mm-hmm. villain of the season. And we have three potentials here. Uh, our first nominee is the Demon of Ahriman. Um Strong candidate. He crosses over from season five. He is responsible for the death of Richie and uh, and a whole lot of pain for Duncan. And uh, he got to be spread out over a couple of episodes, played by multiple uh, character, multiple actors, I should say. Yeah, Valentine Pelka at one point. Um, he uh, he takes the form of James Horton. Um, so there was there was a bit of that going on. But um, Araman, uh, next nominee is uh, Milos Vladic from Patient Number 7. Uh, we talked briefly about Patient Number 7, but me, that character was pretty good. I will say one knock on that one is that Patient Number 7 had the most blatant uh, stunt doubles in a fight of the entirety oh, of yeah. the series. Absolutely. <laughs> it just looked... It was clearly two different people doing the choreography. Um, mm-hmm which just always makes me laugh. And then for me, I also added in uh, a third, and that is Morgan Walker from Indiscretions. Um, nice. Because he was just he was just a bad dude, and he got on mm-hmm. the wrong side of Mythos, and he's he was just like, immediately they, they wrote him to be awful, and we hated him. And so um, those were three uh, very good villains from this season of kind of weaker villains, to be honest. Yeah. Because we were retreading the same, basically same story for half the season. Mm-hmm. Of those, Milos was the best villain. Yeah. And then our only other villains outside of Morgan and the Kurgan are uh, really the the Irish um, immortal from To Be and Not To Be, and he's barely there. So yeah. these are kind of our three strongest candidates. And the award, the Kurgan Award for the best villain of season six goes to... Araman. It's Araman. Yeah. I mean, he's the best villain of all of them. He gets the most to do. Like, he's a force of pure chaos uh, from before time. 
Mm-hmm. I do wish the series could have explored stuff like that more. Yeah. And it's funny after talking about it and thinking about it, I was like, I almost wish that had come up in to be, not to be like been part of the conversation of why Duncan was feeling the way he was. I remembered that it was. So my memory conflated the first two episodes of the season and the final two episodes of the season to have an Aramon like part of why he's stuck in this limbo. Yeah. So I'm with you on that 100%. Plus, I think it's it's really fascinating to explore immortals and supernatural deities and, and ancient religions and how that has evolved into modern day religions and all that because immortals have been mm-hmm. like working them into these stories and having them be, you know, parts of these myths and fables, I think is a really cool idea anyway. And so to explore yeah. more of that and be like, oh, it's not just a, like a story being told, like Mythos remembers this, but then, oh, that weird thing happened too. Because you, you got the cynic in Mythos over here who's like, I've been around for 5,000 years. I ain't never seen no demon. But like, he clearly has. It's happened around him. He, he maybe mm-hmm. just never noticed it. So right. like that kind of stuff would have been really fun to, to play with. Yeah, for sure. But yes, our Kurgan Award goes to Araman. Our next award is the Dragonhead Katana Award for the best non-Duncan weapon in the season. Uh, because, as we know, the Dragonhead Katana is the ultimate weapon in Highlander. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's really only one choice. It's Mythos' sword and dagger combination. Yeah. Um, there weren't a ton of varied uh, varied swords and things in this series anyway. Um, but what I liked about that is I've always liked Mythos' sword, but I like the combination of using the dagger. It feels very Mythos. Mm-hmm. Because it's not traditional uh, sort of Highlander fare. We don't have a lot of dual-weaponed uh, immortals running around that we have seen so far. Right. And uh, and I just I thought it was a great way. Plus, you know, Mythos is the ultimate survivor, and that's a great survival technique because he didn't use mm-hmm. it all the time. We'd seen right. plenty of Mythos just with a sword, but now it makes you think retroactively. He probably always had that, that dagger on him somewhere ready to use it if he needed to. Well, I think the most interesting part about it is when in the episode to be... Um, was it to be or not to be where Duncan fights Mythos and not to be not to yeah. be when he fights Mythos and sees it coming and knows he's going to do it. We haven't seen them talk about that or really, you know, have yeah. that confrontation when Mythos pulls out the dagger in his episode. It's the one with him and Joe Duncan's not there at all. So it's like, mm-hmm. okay, so for one thing this season, they did a little bit of storytelling in the middle of a fight, letting us know Duncan knows Mythos so well that he knows his dagger technique, even though we've never yep. seen those two come together about that. Yes. So it was just I like, interesting that it wasn't just one episode out of the blue that it happened, but it happened in a second episode to the point where Duncan even knows it and sees it coming. And it's like, oh, okay, so this is a, this is definitely a Mythos thing. Yes. Yep. That's a, that's a very, like, that is good world building mm-hmm. that you can then... Unfortunately, again, it comes at the end of the season, so you can't build off right. of that. But they could have then built off of that because now you've got that little nugget that you can work in as a story element somewhere else down the line. That kind of stuff is mm-hmm. pretty fun. Um, yep. And our final award for season six of Highlander, <laughs> the series, is the Christoph Lambert Award, or Christopher Lambert, depending on who you want to talk to, for right. the best guest star of the season. And look, once again, there's only one choice here. It's Roger Daltrey. Yeah. It's absolutely. He shows up not once, but twice in the season. Mm -hmm. And he's just a delight. The every moment he's on screen and every moment he was on screen from the first episode that he showed up in all. I think he's in seven episodes in total in the series. And when you, when you think about it, there's 119 episodes of the show. Hugh Fitzcarran is in seven of them. That is less than 10% of the show, but he feels like a major character that we saw a bunch. And it's... Because, like we've talked about from the beginning of him being on this series, like, he gets offed quick. Mm -hmm. And we were both surprised. And we're like, what? I remember more Roger Daltrey. I remember... I thought he was more of a character. And we see why, because they keep bringing him back, because he keeps being so good for this series... 
so good with Adrian Paul. And I I think I loved him in To Be Not To Be the most because it's like having him be the kind of ghost character. They let him be even more playful than yep. he normally is. Yes. In a way that still fits the character. And it's just fun to watch. Letting him be Clarence from It's a Wonderful Life. Mm-hmm. But through the through the lens of Hugh Fitzcairn is perfect because Fitz Fitz was always, you know, just a little a little off, a little goofy, a little silly, but like at mm-hmm. the same time he could handle himself. Otherwise he wouldn't have been around for so long. Right. But to have him be after, you know, this version of him, which isn't from a flashback now, it's the ghost version of him from uh from up above, from heaven, whatever you however they want to spin it, which again is another part where it's like if the show had kept going, we could have played more with that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But to have this version of Fitz be even more eccentric and more kind of silly while also being like, look, you got to figure this stuff out. This is why I'm here type of yeah. thing was great. And he's the perfect choice for it. And the thing is, is Roger Daltrey wanted to be on this show. And the mm-hmm. guest stars that worked the best were the ones that wanted to be there and you know, it's fine. I've I've said this till I'll, and I'll, and I will continue to say it till I'm blue in the face. I will never begrudge an actor for taking a part for a paycheck. They're mm-hmm. work, they got to work. They got to they got to yep. eat. They got to feed their families. It's fine. But when an actor can can take a role and really enjoy it, it's so wonderful. And and Roger Daltrey did that. Mythos was a character who wasn't supposed to be in the series beyond season three, but he was very popular, and Peter Wingfield enjoyed playing him. And so we mm-hmm. got more mythos. Um, I think that that's what made, you know, characters like, obviously Ron Perlman's a pro, but Ron Perlman, you could tell, was enjoying doing what he was doing. Pruitt Taylor yeah. Vince, I think, seemed to be having a lot of fun playing Mikey. Um, I mm-hmm. think that Randall Tex Cobb, getting to do Randall Tex Cobb things, he, you know, he's going to have fun doing that. Those sure. are the ones that work. Um, Roland Gift coming back and playing Xavier St. Cloud the multiple times that he did. You could tell he just had fun so much so that they did another episode where they're like, we can, we can work him in as in the flashbacks and bring back this character that, uh, people like, but also he likes playing it. So like that kind of stuff really works. And that's what makes Roger Daltrey's Hugh Fitzcairn work so well and why he wins the Christopher Lambert award for season six. So, those are our awards for season six of Highlander. Um, and uh, that wraps up the series. And I think we should talk about yeah. the series as a whole. Yeah. Observe McCoy. But don't interfere. Yeah, I know. What about you, Joe? What about you and McLeod? Look, this is not about me, okay? I didn't make up the rules. Blame that on Amalado the Akkadian. He was the guy that started it 4,000 years ago when he saw Gilgamesh come back to life. If I wanted a history lesson, I would have asked for one. You've had really a rough day. And that's, that's Highlander the series. We have now, Audie, you and I have watched all six seasons. 119 yeah. episodes. That gun. It doesn't feel like we started all that long ago, and yet yeah. we've been at this for a couple of years now, and we made it through. We watched them all. We've done it. We really did it. And I've got to say, I had very fond memories of this series. Mm-hmm. It was better than I remembered. I have to agree. Like, It's one of those things where we keep... Every time I'm telling people about this podcast and telling them about Highlander, I, I keep falling back on the, you'd be surprised how good a show that's about people cutting each other's heads off deals with actual human relationships. Yeah, and, and I think that's what... So, for me, the best Highlander single thing is still the first movie. Um because I think that it's set up so much. Clancy Brown's Kurgan is just amazing. Having Sean Connery there, it kind of created the the world. But after that first movie, the series is as good and in some cases better because it was able to tell more stories and flesh out a character like Duncan McLeod 
And because they, even though initially they wanted to have Connor McLeod uh, as the main character of the series, because the idea when this show was being thought of was it was going to be a prequel. It was going to take place mm. before the first movie. And initially it was going to be Connor, and then they decided, uh, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to make it its own character. But then it was still going to be a prequel. It was still going to lead up to the events of The Gathering. And they decided kind of early on, that's not going to work because none of these characters are going to survive. And our main character we know is going to die at some point. Mm -hmm. And so they pivoted again and they decided to just let it expand. And I think that going that route and letting Adrian Paul, who the character of Duncan grows so much over the course of the series. And Adrian Paul grows so much as an actor over the course of the series. Yeah. And the ability to let him have relationships, real relationships, because when you do like, I love the first Highlander movie, but we talked about it when we reviewed it. The, the romance is so forced in that because they just meet and all of a sudden they're, they're fine. They're, they're going to spend the rest of their lives together and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And that's that Hollywood movie romance thing that just never works. Yeah. Um, this allowed us to not only have sort of the backstory uh, style romances where it's like Connor and Heather in the first movie. Mm -hmm. But we got to see him not only start off in a relationship with Tessa, but see how that grew, get to spend more time with them, get to see mm -hmm. them go through rough patches. Yeah. And see some of their past and then him lose that and lose that anchor that he had. But then... Not only, like, in one fell swoop, he loses the emotional anchor he had in Tessa, and he gains a ward in Richie. Yeah. Who he's also, like, spent the, the season and a half getting to know, and we've gotten to, to see him mature a little bit. And now we get to see mm -hmm. Richie go through what a young immortal would go through when they first learn about this. Yeah. So... It was those, you're, you're right, it's the relationships. It's the way, that, and, they, and they're written so much better than I remembered, too. Yeah. Not, not all of them. They're not all perfect. Yeah. Uh, there's some duds, and there's some stuff that, that doesn't quite work. But, like, the main relationships, they always seem to get really well. Yeah. And, I mean, even like we talked about with season six, Duncan just doesn't come right back to status quo. Duncan, when he loses Tessa, he just doesn't imagine, like, they did a good job of not having him immediately come back to um, Mr. Womanizing Duncan McLeod. Like, he deals with that for a while, which is real. Yeah. And it was nice to see that. I mean, for me, the series... For me, the series is the definitive Highlander story. I know... I, I appreciate the first movie for what it did and set all this up. But for me... Highlander the series is the definitive if you want to know what Highlander is watch this TV series it's it's like for me the equivalent of Batman the animated series is the ultimate Batman you know the definitive way of showing you who Batman is yeah um, no you're you're dead on there like that's a great comparison too because Batman has been around for so long but in terms of in terms of a single property yeah. You know, because comics have, you have the different runs, the different artists and the different writers that do mm -hmm. specific comics. So for a single, you can look at Batman the Animated Series as like a run of comics. And I'm, I'm with you on that. You're, you're not wrong at all. And in fact, I probably agree with you more than, than, um, than I don't in that Highlander the series is, is because it expanded the mythos, because it went beyond and it gave us the Watchers. And it gave us more of the world. And I think I, I appreciate the series for grounding this mythos of immortals, of we don't know what the heck is happening, where it started, why it started, but we know what the rules are somehow. And we just go with that, period. We don't try and figure out, hey, were we aliens somehow and the rules <laughs> are because of that? Or... You know, do we retcon it again and again and again? No, we just deal with these are immortals. Yep. This is the, these are the rules. Play with that. And you get all kinds of history to deal with. Have fun. And they still didn't shy away from 
things that weren't grounded in reality. They let it play right. a little bit here and there. There was the episode with um, the the immortal that held the grudge against Duncan and was um, manipulating his dreams, messing mm-hmm. with him in his dreams, and like the whole thing where he studied psychology for two hundred years. And somehow that led to him developing some kind of psychic abilities, but they right, and they played with that without just saying like out and out, yeah, this is the thing that happens, you know. And even Duncan, sort of not believing in some of the supernatural stuff, there's the vampire idea, and like Richie being like, well, why, why couldn't that be true? Or Araman in the right. end of the season, like those kinds of things. They never shied away from that, while not going completely cuckoo bananas for it either. Right. So yeah. there was a good balance to that, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. as well. Absolutely. And then, you know, also getting to expand and bring in, uh, you know, at first the watchers are an antagonistic society of people. And even throughout season two, that was one of the things that I had forgotten about was how much, how many stories they had based around like renegade and rogue watchers and watchers that were yeah. going into business for themselves. And they sort of, Eventually moved away from that, which I'm glad because I think just the idea of the Watchers being around is interesting enough in itself, especially given their whole like non-interference that they mm-hmm. do. But it still gives for a fun like you can have those pockets of like here's you know we can spend some time with the Watchers. Uh, I would have liked more episodes that dealt with like the Watchers sitting around playing cards talking about their immortals that was such a fun episode to see because it it humanized them uh and made them feel like 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 more like characters and less like plot devices Mm -hmm. like Um, a great bottle episode would have been somebody coming up through watcher academy that'd have been cool just you know very cool i think too like you could even do uh a series on just the watchers and oh, following sure. following watchers and the you know the immortals are kind of it's sort of like an idea of um like Star Trek lower decks and how it's mm-hmm. more of the enlisted people in on Starfleet yeah um than the officers same idea let's let's follow the watchers yeah. for a little bit um and kind of get to know them and the show got to expand not just the watchers but we got Mythos which is my favorite mm-hmm. character um and we got you know obviously we got to see immortals that were struggling with their immortality and it really did ask that question that gets started in the first movie but it's the who wants to live forever what does that do to you how can that change a person and we saw it with like characters like brian cullen who go you know goes down the roads of drugs and drinking and because he's so good at what he did but there was nowhere for him to go after that yeah he spiraled out of control and then seeing characters who, you know, had mental breakdowns and would be basically disappear like the um what was his name that was played by the actor that played Nick Knight in Forever Night. Oh yeah. Where he had the like he had a he had, disassociative yeah. identity disorder. Right. Type of thing. And playing with that idea and, you know, immortals holding grudges, like we talked about with the the guy who did the psychology or the the German soldier who got trapped in a river for 40, 50 years mm-hmm. and got himself eventually gets out of that. And he's just like, I want to kill Duncan McLeod. And right. honestly, totally get that. If you were stuck for yeah. 50 years dying over and over, you're going to develop and hold a grudge. Mm-hmm. Um, and then seeing other immortals that don't hold that grudge, that do grow and change. Um, yeah. Or, or immortals that don't grow and change, that somehow survive and just get by by the nick of their teeth. Yeah, or that don't that think they change. Remember the the episode with uh, Brian James where he was like the savage, uh, ruthless guy in the old west. He killed the priest mm-hmm. for the the golden cross, the cross of Saint Antoine. Right, and um, you know, then in modern day, he's all dapper, he's well dressed, carries himself really well, but he's really basically the same guy, just in a new mm-hmm. veneer. So there was stuff yeah. like that. And and that's what I think the series did really well was relationships overall. Really yeah. good relationships, uh, especially main character ones. Mm-hmm. Because even Duncan and Mythos don't immediately just become buddies. Right. It takes them a few episodes before Mythos sort of they were they were kind of like a couple of, you know, a couple of wild animals circling each other. 
of like, do I trust you? Do I not trust you? You seem like a good guy, but I'm not sure. And so I liked that um, because that's, that's really how it should be. And it makes you then kind of fill in some of the blanks too. Mm-hmm. So it's a very, very good series. Uh, this yeah. has been a ton of fun doing, uh, watching yeah. all of these episodes again. For sure. And uh, and if you haven't finished it yet, if you're if you're following along with us, you probably have watched all of it. But if not, go back watch it. It's on. It's all free on Freebie. You can watch all the mm-hmm. episodes. I think it's even on a couple of other the ad supported services like Tubi and stuff. And the yeah. ads aren't that intrusive. Um, what's fun is you can kind of if you have watched the series before, you can jump around, watch some of your favorite ones. You know, go yeah. back, listen to our recaps, and pick those episodes out of seasons. Um, you know, anything involving Mythos, the Comes a Horseman, Revel- Revelation 6-8 is a great two-part story. Um, there's uh, any of the stuff with Callus, I thought mm-hmm. was really good. Um, and it's always fun to see the different uh, special guests that pop up yeah. in, in episodes, too. And folks that you wouldn't think of at all. I mean, Joan Jett showing up in an episode. Mm-hmm. Um, who was it? Uh who was the Motown Saint Vanity? Was it? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You had Nia Peoples in an episode, the Pharaoh's daughter, yeah. which also had um, uh, I think it's James Faulkner was in that. You know, even going back as far as season one and Werner Stocker and like where they were kind of going, and then seeing a show have to pivot off of what they were building because an actor dies. Yeah. And having to go in a different direction, and then it took them two seasons to really find a replacement for what. Darius as a character was to was supposed to be for Duncan, mm-hmm. um, and they eventually found that in Mythos in a in a different form, but same idea the the older, wiser immortal, or yeah, supposedly wiser, depending on who you talk to about Mythos. <laughs> yeah, um, this is a great. It's just a great series. It really, really is. Yeah, it is. Uh, but we're not done. We're not done yet. No, nope. we have uh, we have another movie to cover. You know how it is. We, we, with this show, we watch a season of Highlander, and then we watch one of the movies. And there's five movies. Well, it turns out, no, there's a sixth Highlander movie. And Audie is, if you're in the live stream right now, you can see it. He is holding up the DVD Highlander, The Search for Vengeance, which is an anime. Came out, uh, I want to say it was like 2013, but it might have been a couple years before that. Um, I don't remember now. May have been closer to like the time of... Uh, to the source, but it's been around for a few years. Um, I have never watched it before. Yeah, me neither. Um, I've watched some of Highlander, the animated series. I know that this is very different from that, which is a good thing. Um, but we are going to watch that and we're going to come back next week and we're going to talk. Came about out it. in 2007. 2007. All right. So, whew, been around then 15 years, 16 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, we're finally going to watch it. It's one of the few Highlander, um, related properties that I have not consumed and I have not, yeah. uh, you know, at all. Um, and so I'm excited. I'm excited for this. Uh, I hear mostly positive stuff about it and look, it's not going to be as bad as Highlander, the source. There's just yeah. no way. So come on back next week. And we're going to talk about Highlander, the search for vengeance, which mm-hmm. is not Duncan and not Connor McLeod, uh, at all. Nope. It's neither of them. I think it's K. K- who is it? Kalen? Uh, it's a Colin. Colin. Colin McLeod. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm pretty sure it's set in a future as well. So, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Not as far in the future, I believe, as the animated series. I don't think, or maybe it's further. I don't know. I know it has nothing to do with the animated series. The animated series yeah. was kind of a drugged out fever dream anyway. So, yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, we're going to do that next week. So definitely come back and check that out. And then um, small spoiler alert, we may have more after that for you. We'll see. Ooh. We'll talk about that next week. Mm-hmm. All right. But until next week and until we come back and we talk about Highlander, the search for vengeance for Audie. Oh, what am I saying? Where can you find us? Where can you talk to us about this show? Oh, yeah. I'm getting ahead of myself here. I'm on Twitter. It's TV's Travis or, you know, any of the social networks. Um, so you can definitely find me there. And I love to talk about Highlander and uh, and all sorts of stuff. So definitely find me there. And Audie, you are the Audie Norman. 
That is correct. Yes, and uh, all your artwork gets put up online too, and it's amazing artwork, folks. Yep. Got to check that out. And if you need artwork done, get them for commissions. Heck yeah. Okay. And we do record the show live Tuesday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern time uh, for as long as we're going to continue doing this show. So definitely come hang out live. It's always fun. And um, the show comes out on Thursdays anywhere you get your podcasts or anchor.fm slash Let's Watch Highlander. You can also find them at tvstravis.com. Uh, I have a link to where to download and, um, and sign up for it there. So now... Until next week, until Highlander, the search for vengeance. For Audi, I am Travis saying, remember that there can be only one Highlander, the series. Duncan McLeod of the Clan McLeod. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>